You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And at the same time, you can go to Acts chapter 2 and put a little marker there. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15. I'm reading from the Amplified Version for this particular verse. And Paul writes here and he says, Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me. And I also pray intelligently with my mind and understanding. I will sing with my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me. But I will sing intelligently with my mind and understanding also. Last week we began having a look at the power of praying in the spirit. This is a message that, was, that, that, that my pastor, Apostle Theo Vormans, taught quite a while back, and it, was, it so inspired me. I really wanted to bring the, the message to us as we recently have just had a look at the nine gifts of the Spirit, and we saw that there was the gifts of speaking in other tongues, and along with that, the gift of interpretation. And in that study, as I mentioned a few things, the difference between the gift and the prayer the Holy Spirit really prompted me that at this time, He wants to inspire us as a church to become more enthusiastic about our praying in the Spirit. Now, why is that so important? Now, here's what we need to understand. that Remember when Jesus said that to the disciples that when He goes, He will send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would remind us of what we've been taught. Now, I really want to encourage us today that as we go through the study that we particularly those that have been with us for some time and have been through the spiritual growth seminar. Maybe you've heard me teach it very often, talking about what it means to speak in other tongues. And sometimes we can go through these scriptures, and as I'm teaching, you think, well, but I've heard that before. I, I know what that is, and I know what that's about. And I really have been prompted in my own heart so many times that sometimes I look at the message and I'm listening to it or whatever. My, maybe my pastor's busy teaching. I go, yeah, I know that verse and I know that scripture. But I taught myself very early on as a Christian when Jesus said the Holy Spirit will remind you of what you've been taught. Paul told Timothy to stir up that which is in him through the laying on of hands. The spirit of faith is having believed, I speak. Speak what? Speak what you've believed. And so very often we know that what can happen in time is you may know something about a subject, you may understand it, maybe you've been through Bible college and you got 100% in your test for it. That's not enough for us to be able to live this. The just shall live by faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So when we live by faith, we take the faith that is within us and we apply it. That faith needs to be replenished. That faith needs to be strengthened again. Just the same way in our own physical bodies, that whenever we eat a meal, that meal will provide sustenance. We feel like we're full. We've eaten enough. We feel when, when we go and walk or train or run or whatever we're doing, we have enough energy for that. But you know if you don't eat again, that energy is going to be used up. It's going to be drained. And then we can get to a place where we're hungry. And what do we do when we're hungry? We fill up again. And so the same way when it comes to faith. If we're living by faith and we're applying faith, that faith flows. 
It flows out of us. Remember Jesus, when the woman of blood touched him, he felt this Holy Spirit flow into it. The virtue flowed from him. And so the power of God moves and it flows. And we know that faith needs to be replenished. It needs to be built again. And so the more we hear the word of God, the stronger our faith becomes. And so the Holy Spirit will remind us of what we've been taught. Then Jesus said he would guide us into truth. And he would show us things to come. See that? That past, present, future. And so the Holy Spirit's always taking us from what we've learned before, reminding us so that we are able to stay in the truth. Because if we don't keep renewing our minds to these things, other influences come along, other things happen, and the enemy knows how this works. What I'm explaining here, the enemy knows very well how it works. And he will make sure if somebody's not giving their attention to the Word of God, he will make sure there's other inputs, all kinds of other information that's going to come along and start to distract us and start to lead us off into a different direction. Because if we don't purposefully come against all these other voices, they will start to take seed in our hearts and without even realizing it, growing up. Grow up into a tree and start producing fruit. And then all of a sudden we start thinking differently and thinking, now how did I even think that? Why would I think that? How come I start... Thinking, how, am I, how come I'm doubting God? How come I'm doubting whether he's going to look after me? How do I doubt that he's going to provide for me, that he's healed me? And so often that can happen. If I find there's a doubt in my life or there's a concern, where is God? Why is this not working? I realize I haven't spent enough time replenishing that faith that I need to have. And so the same way as we study out what are tongues and how we're supposed to walk in them, it really is to stir us up. It's not like a, for some of us it may be new. For some of us may go, wow, I never saw that before. And I've seen that as well in my life, that as I study certain subjects that I know very well, and as I say, I could probably get 100% in a, in, a, in a test for it, yet as I study it, all of a sudden I see new revelation. God just opens up another facet of it, and it takes you to a higher level, and you become more effective and more skilled in it. And as a result, you see better results in your life as well. So always stir that up. Be listening and say, Lord, I want to hear this again. I need to have the faith of this. Build me up. Strengthen me. Because as I do, I'm going to see my Christian life go to another level. And then he'll guide us into truth. And then he'll show us things to come. God has got great plans for you. Great plans. Now, every single human, every human that's ever been born into this earth was born with a specific destiny of God. God provided for it, He supplied for it, and He set you on a mission. And that means everything you need to fulfill your mission has already been provided for. Well, then how come some people don't see it? Some people never even come to salvation. And so even though God has a great plan for them, they never find out what that plan is and could die and end up going to hell. But praise God, he sent his son Jesus so that when you're saved, you are born again into his kingdom. Now, as you find out what your purpose is, he's already provided for that. And God doesn't want you going through it sick and broken and busted and disgusted. He wants you provided for. He wants you healed and, and healthy and strong to be able to do it successfully. And so if that is the case, then how come we see so many Christians that may not be walking in that? And that's what we're opening up here because everything that we receive from God has to be received by the Spirit of God, by faith. And how does that faith come? By hearing. And so as we listen to the Word of God and we receive it, now we have to set it in motion. We have to 
cause that future that God has prepared for us to manifest. And so here we see Paul saying that we recognize that there is praying that happens with the natural understanding, using our own intelligence, our own language, the home language that you may have. Or he says you can pray in the Spirit, by the Spirit that is within me. Now, in the Amplified, that by the Spirit that is within me, that's in brackets because that wasn't in the original text. But he's talking about praying in the Spirit, and we recognize that it is by the Holy Spirit that we are able to pray that way. Because if you go and have a look at Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each one of them. Now, who was that? That's the Holy Spirit. Notice it says in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Just say that. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit filled every single member, those 120 sitting in the upper room. That is your first church. Now, they've all been, you know, they, they, when Jesus appeared to some of his disciples, he breathed his Holy Spirit on them. That's when they were born again. Now they gathered together. This is the first gathering as a church, and the Holy Spirit fills every single one of them, all of them. And they says, yeah, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. The very first church service ever. Every single person sitting there was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. It wasn't just a select few. So you can see that God's desire is for every believer to be able to speak in their heavenly prayer language in other tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. And so it's by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that we are able to speak in other tongues. So that it is by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within me that I am able to speak and pray in other tongues. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most, and each in turn, and let one interpret. So this is talking about the, the gifts of speaking in other tongues when it becomes a prophetical word. So you've got the gift of speaking in tongues and you've got the gift of prophecy. Now prophecy is given in your home language. So if I spoke a prophecy, it would be in English and everybody listening in English would be able to listen, would, would understand. Anyone that understands English would understand what I'm saying. But if I spoke in other tongues... No one would understand that at that moment except the person that's been able to interpret. And that might be myself, it might be somebody else. And they would hear, and then they would speak in the English language the interpretation so everybody could hear it. But he says that's if, that's if we have a tongue as a spoken prophecy that needs to be interpreted, verse 28. But there, if there is no interpreter, then let him keep silent in church. In other words, you don't use tongues just to sound spiritual. I'm trying to say something, and I need to sound spiritual, so I make it in tongues. No, then rather don't speak. And he says, then let him speak to himself and to God. Instead, rather go into your prayer closet. So if you speak in tongues as a prophecy, there must be an interpretation. But if there's no interpretation, and you still have an unction to pray, then rather go away, because then it's, then it's no longer a prophecy. Now you're praying, because he says, yeah, speak to God. 
and speaking to God, we understand, is prayer. Now, with that understanding of praying to God in verse 2, he says, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. See, family and God, this is where, when, whenever you study any type of doctrine, you've got to be very cautious about just taking one verse and saying, you know, this is a doctrine. The Bible says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the truth is established. And so by the same token, if you build a doctrine that has to be based on multiple scriptures, then if somebody takes one scripture on its own, they say, I don't see how you get that out of that scripture. It's because we've studied a lot of other scriptures. And through understanding what all the scriptures say, a revelation is built. A revelation comes to our hearts. So here again, we see that when we speak to Man, we don't speak to men, but to God. That's our prayer language. It says, no one understands him. That no one understands him would imply the language being used is no earthly language. Because if no one understands him, it doesn't matter what language you bring into that room. They're not going to understand what that person's saying. And so what's he talking about here? He's speaking in a tongue that is not an earthly language. This is your heavenly language. And then it says, in the spirit he speaks mysteries in the spirit. So that's where that amplified version gets those brackets from, that, that I will pray in the spirit by the Holy Spirit that's in me. Say that, as I pray by the Holy Spirit within me, it's my spirit that's praying. And Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2, that when my spirit prays, it is called Speaking in tongues or speaking in tongues is called praying in the spirit. You see that? Okay. Praise God. So now why is it so important to pray in other tongues? Why is it that if the word says, yeah, I mean, if you have your look here, that when you speak to God, no one understands him in the spirit. He speaks mysteries. That's one of the reasons that the enemy is so against the church speaking in tongues. Why is there so much controversy about it? Why is there so much discussion that, you know, some, for some reason, people want to stop the church from praying in other tongues? Now, with any of one of these doctrines, I don't think any person on their own is, is, is malicious against any particular doctrine. I believe Satan is the author of confusion. He is the one that tries to come and discredit any doctrine that God gives us. And so if it was just that simple, that just that you have to believe that God is God and you go to heaven, it doesn't matter what else you believe, the gospel would be very, very simple, and anyone that believes would be saved. Well, then where do all these controversies come from about various parts of the doctrine? Well, we understand that the enemy understands how powerful these things are. And if he knows faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, well, doubt comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Satan. Does that make sense? Doubt will come. Doubt is there to cause a destruction of what God's instituted into your heart. 
And so what the devil will do is he'll start to start discrediting what God teaches. There has to be a reason. Why, is he have, why does he have such a problem with speaking in other tongues? Well, it's evident, yeah, the Bible says that you speak mysteries. Now, if it's a mystery to us as we pray in tongues, you notice when you first pray in tongues, very often you don't know what you're praying. Now, you can pray and ask God for an interpretation. But at the time of your praying, at that moment, you don't know what you're praying. Because if you knew, you could pray it in English. But as you're praying in tongues, you're praying in the Holy Spirit. It is a mystery. The Bible says no one understands it, including the devil. So when you're praying in the Spirit, it's not you praying anymore. It's the Holy Spirit in you that's giving you words. And God is speaking a prayer that's more powerful than your English language. Any earthly language. I can take something. If I wanted to state something in English, I'm limited to the amount of words that are in the dictionary. And the words in the dictionary only describe what already exists on the planet. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. God has said he's prepared things for us that eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. There are things in the realm of the Spirit that they, if, if you saw it in the realm of the Spirit, number one, your eyes would look at it. And you would, if you didn't see it with your own eyes, you wouldn't believe it existed. It's like, what? What do you even call that thing? Now imagine I stepped into the realm of the Spirit. I saw that thing. And then I came back into the realm of the natural. And I come to you and I try and explain to you what I've just seen. How do I tell you what a hombregesir vontogu looks like? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It, it, there's, no, there's no earthly language. I say, well, you know, do you, do you, do you know what a, a, a car is? Yes, it's nothing like that. Do you know what a spaceship is? Well, kind of, I've seen it in movies. It's nothing like that. Do you know what a fiery chariot is? Yeah, it's nothing like that. I'm talking about a vehicle you, I can't even explain. In fact, a vehicle is not the right word because it takes you from heaven to earth in an instant. Do you understand what I'm saying Yeah, When Elijah was picked up, all they could say was, it's a fiery chariot. But I mean, you know, that's all that the, the writer could say. Elisha didn't know, have any other words for it. It's just he saw, Elijah gets in, off he goes. Now, how do you put that into English? Or whatever language he was talking at the time. You see what I'm saying? So, when you're praying in tongues, you are speaking a mystery that your own earthly mind won't even understand, and you couldn't put into it. That's why we call it interpretation. It's not translation, because if you translate it, you still have to be talking about things that don't exist. But interpretation means you now put into words that we understand, but really it was released in the realm of the Spirit. That's why when you pray in the Spirit, it's not your natural mind. That's why when people, that's one of the ways that the enemy will try and stop us from praying in other tongues, is by saying, that, sound, you know, that sounds like gibberish. You know what people think of you when you pray like that? It sounds foolish, stupid, it's just gibberish. No, it's not, because it doesn't matter what comes out my mouth. It, might, it, it, it can sound like, when you hear some people pray in tongues, it actually sounds like a language. Others, it just sounds like babbling. And then you get to the place where you groan. I've been in times when I couldn't even form words. It was just a groaning coming out of my spirit. But what's happening? It's the Holy Spirit praying. It doesn't matter what you hear with, my ear, with your ears. It doesn't matter what comes how my lips form. As long as I am releasing a sound from my inner man. 
That sound from the inner man is the Holy Spirit releasing in the realm of the spirit. Not in the realm of the natural. In the realm of the spirit, mysteries that Satan doesn't even know what's been said. He would prefer it if you prayed in English because whatever you asked for, he can set up a plan to try and stop. And that's happened. As you're praying in English, he thinks, well, if that's what you want, I can always put a block there and try and stop that. And then as you pray in the Spirit, as you release it in the Holy Spirit, so you move into a realm where Satan's not able to stop it. See, there was a time when Janine and I, we were believing for a motor car. And she was working for a bank at the time, and because she was staff, she got preferential interest rates. And it seemed like a far better option than for me signing up. The only thing is that she didn't have a driver's license at the time. And we found out on the form, when you fill it in as staff, it says, do you have a driver's license? She said, no, it's in her name because she's the staff member. Then when she put it in, they declined it because she didn't have a license. So she explained to her manager that uh, she won't be driving the car, her husband will be. So he said, well, that's the way, you know, that's just company policy. So Janine came home and explained that to me. I said, well, let's believe God together. We believe we have favor. You go in tomorrow and you say, this is what, I, what we want. We, we will make sure that my husband drives the car. I won't drive it because I don't have a license. And we believe that we'll have favor with her manager. So she went in and she explained that to him. He said, okay, well, let's try. And he sent it in. And a day or later, it came back and it said, declined. Because of that reason. So I said, well, okay, we can pray now and uh, believe for favor for that manager. Obviously, whoever has to decide for this car to be approved, well, we just send it in again. And we believe God together, it will be done. And so we went back. She gave it to her manager. said, please try this again. I believe it's going to be approved this time. He said, okay, well, let's try. Put it in. A few days later, it came back. And that second person had approved it. Praise God. But then it got to the person that had to process it, and they declined it, and it came back. Now, this paper was looking pretty tatty by now. I mean, it's got signatures and stamps and declines and all this kind of thing on it. And so eventually I went to God and said, Father, I mean, how, how, I, I know how to pray, and I have faith, and I'll just keep praying. But I don't see us playing tennis here. No, the head goes, and then next time I hit it a little harder, and it gets hit back, and then I hit it a little further, and gets hit back. How many times is that going to happen till eventually this, we will get it approved, but we need the car like now, not next year. And that's when the Holy Spirit taught me how to pray in other tongues. That was what I spoke about last week when my mother came in and said, I, the, God told her to come and teach me how to pray in tongues. Come, well, not teach me, but come and teach me about the Word, and then pray for me, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, me and Janine together, and then we took that form, said, Father, now we don't know what's needed for this, because you notice what was happening, every time I prayed for the next manager to approve it, that prayer was answered, but Satan already blocked it at the next stop, and so we said, all right, now we don't know what's needed for this thing to be fully approved, but all I'm going to do is I'm going to say, Father, I believe this application is fully approved in the name of Jesus. Now, how that's going to happen, I don't know. So who does? The Holy Spirit. So now I'm going to let him pray. You pray the prayer, and I'm going to give my voice to it. And we started praying in other tongues, just praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, just interceding, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And you can sense something's happening. You can sense there's work. 
You know what is, anyone that's praying in tongues knows what that feels like. Paul described it as laboring. And so you're busy praying and you sense things are happening. And as you pray, all of a sudden there's like a breakthrough. And there's a flow and you just realize it's done. You just come to a knowledge, it's done. Finished. And so we, Janine went in the next day. Handed the application to a manager. He looked at it like, really? And so she said, yeah, please go ahead and submit it. She submitted it, and within the hour, the form came back fully approved. Now, how did that happen? See, the Holy Spirit knew how to get that thing done. And so even though the enemy was busy figuring out, well, it'd probably go to that manager, probably go to that manager, and he would start putting all the blocks in place, God decides, no, today that manager stays at home. This one has an appointment over here. This one, and he removes all the obstacles without you even realizing it. Instead of the most obvious way for the form to go, God in his own prayer, and I prayed it. Now the angels can guide that thing to go exactly where God needs it to the right person. That then God puts it in his mind. He doesn't even understand. Maybe five minutes later, he thinks, what did I just do? But God moves at that moment in that person. God can have anybody think whatever he wants them to think. And at that moment, they get the form, and they just go, approved. And they sent it back. Come on, you got to give Jesus praise. You see, this is the power that we have available to us. Now, you know the enemy doesn't like that. And that's why it's so important to understand these things. You know, sometimes you hear people say, yeah, but, you know, God is in control. I've heard Christians say that. I've even heard preachers say that. Now we've got to watch out with the context because they are, yes, God is sovereign. God is all sovereign. We have to understand, though, that God put us as men and women, as mankind, in authority over his creation. I like the way Apostle Theo said when he, he, he spoke about, you know, when people say God is in control. He says, if God was in control of everything, he would force everybody to go to church. Isn't that right? If God was in control of everything, he would make everybody stop stealing. He would force everyone to stop lying. And he would force everybody to pay their tithes. If God was in control, there would be no problems in the earth. Come on. God is not the author of confusion. Satan is. God is not the one that makes people sin. He gave his life to get us saved. Family of God, the only place that God is in control is where people submit their lives to him. That's the only place. He's chosen to hand earth and creation to mankind in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 and by doing that he put man in authority Jesus came to get us saved and then God gave him authority in the earth as a man and he says now that I have authority I send you to go now we don't have time to study that in detail but just have a look at these scriptures the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but he's long suffering towards us now listen to this not willing that any should perish that's 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance 
How many people does God want saved? All. Everybody say all. Now what does all mean? So there's no one that God has chosen should be going to hell. If someone goes to hell, that is not by God's design. I don't care what doctrine someone's listened to or who they've heard. No, God's not picking and choosing you I'm going to get saved and you I'm going to use to cause problems in the world to make my Christians stronger. God's not playing this huge big chess game on his own. You getting this? The word is very clear that God doesn't want anyone to perish and that all should come to repentance. That's the God, the sovereign God. That's what he wants. Well, then how come not everybody's getting saved? If that's what God wants and he's in control, he should be able to do it. He's all powerful. Isn't that right? Well, what does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Now, who's that? That's little G God. That's talking about the devil. There's, there's only one sovereign capital G God. We'll never be that little G, uh, the big God. Are you listening? He is only one God. Now, he is God Almighty. This is talking about Satan. The God of this age has blinded people who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ as the image of God should shine on them. So the devil's stopping the gospel from being heard by blinding the minds of those who are not saved. You and I were all there. I know I was. Blinded to the truth. By who? The devil. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins, or blinded as we just read, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, listen to this, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Notice, talking about the power of the prince of the air, that's Satan. And so he guided this world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. What does under the sway mean? The wicked one's controlling the world. Come on. Is that in your Bible? I've read three scriptures already confirming that. So if somebody says God is in control, you've got to clarify where he's in control. Evidently from this scripture, he's not in control of the world. Satan is. Can you see that? Look at verse John chapter 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world... I chose you out of the world. Hallelujah. Now get a hold of that. So Satan is the one. He's called the God of this world. The whole world lies under his control. And he does it by blinding their minds. But Jesus says, you are not of the world. He caught you out of of the world. So what happened? When he brought you out of the world, what happened? The veil was removed. The scales were removed. Now you can see the gospel. 
And now that you can see the gospel, you submit yourself to God. Now God is in control of your life and whatever you do from now on. Hallelujah. John chapter 17, verse 14. I have given them your word. This is Jesus praying now. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Now, family of God, how many recognize if that happened automatically, even Jesus would not have to pray for it. But Jesus felt necessary to pray. That now that he's got them out of the world, he prays to the Father and says, Now, Lord, keep them. Now that they're out the world, protect them. Now that they're out the world, keep them from the evil one. Stop the evil one. Now, evidently, by Jesus praying that means Satan is still going to target someone even after they saved. So they got saved. The veil was removed. They now submitted to God. Doesn't mean Satan goes, oh, well, I lost that one. No, he wants to get us back to that darkness. He wants to put that veil back on. But you notice, Jesus, by praying, is saying, Father, protect them. So evidently, we should be praying for our disciples to keep them in that same place of protection. If we're going to do as Jesus did, we're going to mimic him, then we need to do the same thing. Notice he says here in verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Say that, I am not of the world. Say it again, I am not of the world. Now he says, sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth, and as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. So family God, here's the promise. You and I have been taken out of the world, now we're not part of the world, but God sends us into the world. Why? Because this world needs God. We ask ourselves, why is the world in so much trouble? How come there's so much mess in the world? Well, we understand it's the devil. But how come it's still there? Listen to what he said in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name, is that you? Are you called by the name of Jesus? Say this, this is talking about me. And he says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Underline pray. If my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I will heal their land. Evidently, the sovereign, all-powerful God has determined that if anything's going to happen on the earth, it's only going to happen when someone prays. Did you see that in your Bible? So just to say, well, God is in control. If he wants it fixed, he will. Evidently, he's saying, I'm waiting for the prayer. I want to stir that up inside of you, family. Because it's so easy just to say, well, you know, que sera, sera. What's that? Remember that song, whatever will be, will be. No, that's not our doctrine. Whatever will be, will be. No, 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 no. We determine what will be.
by the unction of God. God gives us his will. He gives us his instruction. He gives us the plan. But for that plan to happen, he says, I need you as the believer to pray. And I'm waiting on you. For us to say, God, where are you? God's done all the doing he's going to do. He died on that cross to pay the price for all sin, for all mankind to be saved. He bore every sickness and every disease. He was made to be poor that we might be made rich. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. It is done. It is complete. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it's finished. So where is it now? It's up to you and me as the church to believe the scripture and begin to pray. Say this with me. God will heal the land of South Africa when the Christians pray. Let me say it again. Let's say it again together. God will heal the land of South Africa when Christians, me included, pray. Isn't that what he said? Psalm 50, verse 15, listen to this. Call upon me when? In the day of trouble, and what? I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. If we want to be delivered, what must we do? Call. Pray. Pray. Family, now more than ever before, we must get to a place where we understand it is on us as the church to pray. And as the pastor of the Bay Christian Family Church and to whoever's listening to this, I'm calling on us to pray more. In our home cells, let's up the levels of prayer. Let's have prayer meetings, prayer clusters, prayer groups. Let's, let's get praying and let's get interceding. We want to see the tide of this scourge turned. We must pray and we must intercede like we've never had before. And God has given us the power of praying His language, praying in other tongues. Because we don't know. I don't know. We don't know what it's going to take to stop this. Even scientists, they're coming up with the best they know what to produce. And they still say it doesn't work 100%. But you know what? We have a God who knows how to heal spirit percent. Total healing. Total provision. Total prosperity. How's that going to happen when we pray? What do we pray for? I don't know. The Holy Spirit does. And so as I give myself, Lord, I don't know what it's going to take to stop this disease. But you do. Pray. 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 Because family of God, it's time for this land to heal. I say that it's time for South Africa to heal and any other nation that's listening to this. But we as the church, we must put ourselves in a place saying, God is in control when I give him control. How do I do that? By praying in the spirit. And now the tide can be turned, the veil removed, and people can get saved, healed and delivered in Jesus' name. Amen. You receive something today? Were you blessed? Come on, give Jesus praise. Hallelujah. Come, let's stand together and everyone just lay your hand on your heart and say this with me. Today I have heard the word of God. That word 
brought faith to my heart. And I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of your word, I'm also a doer. And so from this day on, I make a quality decision. I will center myself in the perfect will of God. As I pray in the spirit, I'm setting time aside to pray in tongues more than I have ever before. I'm increasing my time of praying in tongues because I know as I do, God heals the land. He chose, he spoke, he's made a decision that he will move when people pray. So he's put it in our hands to pray. And so now, as we pray, by his calling, he brings to pass his perfect will and plan in Jesus' name. Amen.